Over 50% of our calls consistently are coming from repeat customers and referrals. You're also marketing to your own customers when you market. So if you have a piece of marketing, whether it's a digital ad or whether it's a radio commercial, to your past customer, that's reinforcing the experience, that's reinforcing them coming back for more. It can't really be looked at as in new client acquisition exclusively. It's also when you get a referral from somebody and they've already heard of you, that's almost like two referrals, right? Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. I'm Molly Nolan, your episode host, back for another chapter sneak peek of Kevin Nolan's soon to be released book, Organizational Muscle. Now, if you're a routine listener here of our podcast, you're familiar with Kevin. He's a partner here at Nolan Consulting Group and CEO at Nolan Painting, a residential painting business he started back in 1979. It's probably safe to say that marketing and branding are one of Kevin's passions when it comes to the aspects of the business. He has continued to be involved with the marketing strategy throughout the years, even as he's taken a more pulled back approach to daily operational involvement in the business. Today, we talk identifying target customers, lead generation strategies and reporting, to the Nolan in the Neighborhood Community Campaign. Kevin shares how the approach at Nolan Painting has evolved over the years, and his recommendations, based on years of experience, for marketing your business and doing well by doing good. As in our previous sneak peek episode with Kevin, where we discussed recruiting and hiring of talent, we strongly believe that marketing is a constant. No matter the time of year, your marketing strategy needs to be aligned, focused, and adapting to the environment around us. We have to invest in marketing to stay ahead. For more about Kevin's book, Organizational Muscle, check out his website, organizationalmuscle.com. Subscribe to his weekly blog posts and updates. The book will be released in early fall of 2023. This episode of Out of the Hourglass is brought to you by Boolean Review, a gold-level Grand Summit sponsor and a supporting partner of the Summit member group. At Boolean Review, they strive to offer five-star service as you collect five-star reviews. They've helped many Summit members double, triple, and quadruple their reviews, including Lancaster Painting, Webfoot Painting, John Deck Painting, Select Painting, and more. Want to learn more? Reach out on BooleanReview.com. You can also text the founders, Chris and Natalie Kiefer, to find out if they would be a good fit for your growing business. Text the owners at 208-659-0008. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. All right, Kevin Nolan, welcome back to the podcast. Another discussion um, about a chapter coming out in your upcoming book, Organizational Muscle. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to spread the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. We did. I, I think I mentioned to you maybe offline a couple of weeks ago, we got some really great um, feedback and just kind of um, 
numbers essentially on downloads from your the chapter that we did on the problems changing continuous improvement so um, i mean interesting topic these are things that are super relevant to any business owner um so it it's you're speaking the language that people want to hear so uh we're gonna we're gonna continue with that with that thought moving forward terrific well this- it's, a, it's a it's a world that i'm still living in obviously trying to get uh trying to get the phone to ring and get more business Yes, yes. And um, with that in mind, the, the, the chapter we're going to focus on today is marketing. Yes. And um, marketing's funny because just from being in this business and talking to different business owners, it, it has a connotation sometimes with being like a like a like an annoying thing we have to worry about. It's often not given the the seat forward that it should. Um, but it's an investment in your in your company's growth. And I I've seen a shift this year, um, or at least in the last I think six months, being on some calls within my marketing peer group and sitting in on some other um, mastermind calls that have happened within um, Nolan Consulting Group that. There are people, owners are making an investment in the people that they're hiring for for marketing um, purposes, but also realizing that they have to keep up with the trends and be adaptable and they have to invest in what is working. Um, So we're not going to talk so much about trends here per se. We might hit on a couple things you're noticing, but the goal in this conversation is really to talk about the, the consistency of marketing within an organization. And how you at Nolan Painting, um, you know, in, with, with not only within your your position, um, you know, your role that you've played, but also, you know, Nolan Painting is kind of just overall take um, on the marketing department. Is that correct? Yeah, you bet. So cool. marketing was actually my first, um, uh, basically, it's the first competency uh, that I f- realized I had. In fact, I was I was actually a better marketer than I was a painter. And that was always the case. Um, and I'm not a terrible painter, but I was actually good at at marketing. Very, very beginning. I at the very, very, very beginning. I always had a sign on the job. It usually just said Kevin Nolan um, with a phone number, but I had a sign on a job because I realized that that was how people got uh, got jobs because they saw someone else working painting a house, and then they'd walk down the block and ask you, and I'd drop what I was doing, and I'd sell another job, and it would keep uh, me and Jack busy. And um, Jack, who's still with me. Um, would still be just the two of us painting if we fully relied only on word of mouth. That's what I always say. You know, word of mouth would keep Jack and me busy, but it would not grow the business. And and I always wanted to grow the business. So marketing was like how you did it. Um, And to your point, um, I think all of us in the last three years um, have had a roller coaster ride around the whole, where do we put our focus? Clearly, in the last uh, couple of years, it's been on recruiting and attract, attracting talent to our organizations. And I, I know I'm guilty of, of just kind of moving all of my eggs into that basket mm-hmm. and pulling back on marketing, um, which is what I've always said, don't do. Like, I've always said, you always have to be marketing, even when you're busy, because that's how you continue to brand and grow your grow your business, you know, for the long term. I mean, Coca Cola and Apple—they're marketing all the time. They don't necessarily pay attention to trends as much as marketing, 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 marketing. Now, what they do in marketing might change, and who they're who they're focusing their marketing on. But they're always marketing, and a lot of times, even just to their own customers. 
there's always dollars in that bucket. They're not, they might shift it a little bit, but they're, yes. it's consistent where you're right. We did see in the past couple of years, a lot of companies pull back on their marketing spend because the leads were still coming in the door. Right. But but now we're seeing that it's not as easy for those leads to be coming in the door. There has to be a spend on marketing. There so has been a change. There's no question about it. Demand yep. has has changed, and as a result, uh, marketing is now moving. You know, and has been for the last in our company for the last six months. It literally flipped like a switch, um, where all of a sudden we started to see less leads, less phone calls coming in. Um, when they should have been going up last fall. And that was an indication that down the road, we, there was going to be some suffering. Um, and so we started to ramp up our marketing efforts, but I don't know if it was too little or too late. I don't know any of that, but we did. We've, been, we've had some uh, a tougher uh, season, winter season than most. Um, and it's taken us a while to get our marketing um, where, we, where we want it. Um, and we're doing better at the moment, uh, but we still we still are putting a huge effort in uh, because I I think in the the future it's going to be both. You have to work hard to get customers and to get employees. Um, but um, yeah, that's never that's never been a problem as long as you have some disciplines around it. I'm I'm okay with just you know having two focuses. That's okay. We can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was almost going to, I was going to say it's, it's, even though you, you had um, taken a step back on some of the marketing spend, you were able to ramp it back up fairly quickly um, because you have, you have been dialed in on the disciplines for years. It's, yes. you, you know, what has worked, you know, what needs to be turned back on. Um, and sometimes it, maybe it takes well, a couple Maybe I know, you know, John Watermaker said that a half of his advertising is a waste of money. He's just not sure which half. <laughs> um, and that's really what I want to talk about today, because, you know, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago um, in preparation for this call, you know, I started to name all these different things like SEO and and, you know, uh, radio, TV, blogs, websites um, and all that stuff. And there is so many things and it is a try test. You know, even even totally. try even try different messages in the same format, A B testing. There's a lot of that happening. And that does require a lot of diligence, like staying on. Like you can't just do a marketing spend and then not see if it worked. Like right. you have to check to see if it worked and then make some determination for the future. So yeah, so it does require you know, like a constant effort. And um we do put that in. We have a weekly meeting, and we've always had a weekly meeting on marketing, where once a week we talk about nothing but marketing um, and, um, and you know, the things related to that, which would be like advertising and our community outreach and things like that. Um, and we're focusing just on that. Um, but we've moved over some of the money uh, to those areas and now are trying and experimenting and tracking and seeing what's worked. Um, I could tell you as I, as we, as we uh, sit here today um, and at the end of February, um, our phone is ringing off the hook, which literally is blowing my mind. I don't know exactly why. It wouldn't have been when I predicted. Mm -hmm. uh, we, had, um, we had very, very little leads in um, December. And as a result, um, we ate through whatever backlog we had of work 
And we essentially ran out of work with 100 painters. And so for the last month, it has been like, a, I was saying it was like a car that um, you let the gas run out and then you try to start it back up and you put the gas in, but it's still, it doesn't run that well because like it, it's not, it's not, it's not primed. And so yeah. we've had fits and starts and um, it's causing us um, a couple of bad months. And we knew that we knew that coming into the first quarter, we knew it was going to be tough. And so we've, um, we've been missing our numbers. Um, but, you know, I was just away for a month and when I, and uh, so I was able to miss a lot of the misery, <laughs> um, but I was checking the phone calls every day. I have, we have a, a dashboard and I was able to check the phone calls and I was even checking them a couple times a day. Um, and the phone was picking up and it was a great relief because I thought, yeah, things will get better um, as long as the phone's picking up and the phone, it picked up and, um, you know, for us, a, a, a really healthy, healthy week is between 80 and 100 leads. Okay. And that's pretty much where we've been uh, for a lot of um, the last uh, four weeks, six weeks. So um, clearly, we're going to be uh, doing much better going forward with that kind of call volume. Yeah, especially as we're going into spring and, and you know, especially those companies um, who are in a, are affected by the seasonal changes. I mean, I know we work with clients all over. Um, and, you know, those in California don't necessarily deal with the the winter, the fall, yeah. the wet, the weather challenges that happen that really affect, um, you know, the the busyness of a season. Um, it's hard. The winter time is hard for a lot of companies um, who are trying to get by. We know it's hard every year, but some winters are are tougher than others, um, yeah. and some and in, in economic environments are are tougher than others. Well, I mean, so, we've been a we've been a pandemic company, so like Amazon or or. Um, one of these companies like Zoom, they, these companies that did really, really well, um, Peloton, they did really, really, really well in the pandemic. Um, and then now we're having some post-pandemic hangovers. And um, yeah, so it doesn't mean that that Zoom is going out of business. It just means that they are um, now getting back to a, a new normal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things about uh, California or Florida or areas that don't suffer the winters um, that we have is they grow, um, they have much more opportunity to grow because they don't get beaten back every winter. Um, we have always been suffered some type of um, contraction of our business. And so that has always caused us to, it's, it's regulated our growth, um, but as a result, those folks out in California grow really hard. And then if they have a tough winter, they, they get hurt a lot more maybe. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're not put through the, the practice of dealing it with it, you know, yeah. annually. annually. Yeah. So let's get into, you know, just kind of the disciplines of okay. a, a marketing strategy and the behaviors around it, you know, stuff that you guys have been doing for, for quite some time at Nolan painting. Um, one of the the most important areas to begin um, is being able to target and identify your your customer, and it's sometimes it can be tricky because who you think you're going after might not really be who actually is the ones that you're doing work for. So, on really understanding that, standing that demographic that is the one who who are spending money with you, and then being able and to go after can, them that you can make money off of. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah. Correct. I was so talking to a summer client yesterday who every single month has not every single month because but we were just saying that every other month or every third month he has a really tough customer, um, and that causes his month to go backwards. Um, and um, and it's usually like a builder or a designer. Um, and and I'm and I'm there. Like, what's the correlation? It's builders and designers, maybe. I don't know. Um, the importance of job costing, right, shows yeah. us what jobs are good, what what type of customers are good, and who we want to take jobs from. So, for, you know, for you guys, you've been in business forty plus years. You have identified your target customer, and and who is that, Kev? Well, so to your point, I did not identify my target customer for, for the first twenty years in business. I took whatever business I could get, as much as I could get, and I rarely said no. So the change is, is doing what you just said, which is deciding um, what you're going to say no to and what you're going to say yes to. And so we talk about this all the time. So so our, our client is upper middle class, usually married, um, and often both spouses work, usually between the ages of 40 and 70. So you're catching a, a couple of generations there. Um, mm-hmm. and, they, and they need to be friendly. Uh, we, we need to work directly with the customer. We don't want to work with a builder or a designer. So we don't work for designers. We work for designers when they refer us, not when they, we don't do anything where they, um, we, you know, we're working through them and building them. So Got it. Direct the customer. So that's key here, direct the customer. Okay. So we also, so that's residential rep- and repaint. So we don't paint new stuff. We don't paint new drywall. I know that sounds kind of weird because what do you mean you don't paint new drywall? I'm not saying never, but it would become the exception, not the rule. Um, And commercial work. So we do some commercial work, but it has to look like residential work, um, which would be direct to customer. So Mm -hmm. no no middle person. I want to work for the owner of the business at hand. And um, we want to, we don't want to paint new construction. Once again, we don't want to paint anything new, (laughs) just what we could see when we Mm -hmm. estimate it. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to estimate off of plans. Um, We also want to get paid right away. Um, So we, in both, in residential and commercials, we are COD. However, we will accept terms of 30 days on commercial because we understand that that's, that's how commercial works. And so we'll accept that. But on the 31st day, if you haven't paid us, you're jeopardizing our relationship. Um, so incidentally, when I work for customers, oh, by the way, they also have to be friendly, um, those people. When I work for customers um, who are not friendly, um, difficult to please, very difficult. I don't mean, I don't mean that they, they have high standards because we have high standards. Um, but if they are hard to please um, and don't pay us right away, um, we don't work for them ever again. We say no to them the next time they call us. And I know that's snobbish, but if you don't do that, you're going to get beat up often. And we don't get beat up that much anymore. Well, so, business is tough to begin with, right? Yeah. So why add why add more beat to the to uh, yeah. your your day to day if you yeah. if you can and prevent that, right? Control things. You want to be able to control things, right? Because if because it's hard, you just said it's very hard, and that's if you control things. If you don't control things, it's it can be impossible to make a, to make a dollar. So um, so that's pretty critical, which means I have to tell my salesperson 
you know, we're we're not working for working for that GC. Um, and if it's the making rules, like if a customer has an addition being done, we need to tell them that we don't work for the GC. You're going to have to pull the painting out and hire us separately because we're not working for a GC, particularly when we never met before. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying no sometimes is really difficult and it makes you look difficult. And um, the sales guys struggle, not anymore, but they did for a lot of years. They would struggle when they would land a job um, at a car dealership. So the car dealership meets some of the criteria, um, except for the fact that they're not, they're often not friendly. They're often very difficult. I've done a couple of car dealerships. We've been, we've dealt with, with lots of games around how we do business. We're not doing car dealerships anymore. So that, that's a problem if you're a salesperson and you get a car dealership as a job and your boss is saying no. Yeah, it could be a big job too. And you're like, this is yeah. why, you know, you're really trying to push for it and you're getting- I mean, our sweet spot is between five and $15,000 jobs. Big jobs, I don't like big jobs more than our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is where we make money and that's what we focus on. So and I think I that's, that's the, yeah, yeah. And that's the important, I think, takeaway here, because we have a lot of different um, businesses that listen to this podcast, um, you know, painting, yes. um, builders, landscapers, and people who do work with GCs, people who do work with commercial sorry, construction. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, every, every business has its own challenges, right? At yes. the end of the day. Sure. So the, the goal is, I mean, you, it, it, you took 20 years to identify who your target customer is and who you now are marketing to, right? Who's now the, who now is the kind of the direction for any marketing creative that, that goes out. Right. But that's what needs to happen is as a, as an owner or as a as a as an individual within a company understanding who it is that you are going after who what what is your sweet spot job, and does everybody on the team know that that's who you're looking to sell to? Yeah, and then how do you how do you provide um, that great customer seri- uh, experience to that customer? Right so that they become a lifelong customer and they don't always shop on price. We want people to shop on product, not on price, shop on service, not on price. Um, And so, you know, defining that customer experience is a lot about what we talk about, right? At our meetings um, and not always marketing meetings, you know, all the way through all the meetings that we talk about, we're talking about customer service and the way we treat customers, you know, at our Wednesday morning operations meeting, we, we read a half a dozen. We used to read them all, but, you know, times have changed a little bit. But now we read a half a dozen report cards. Um, and the report cards are, are the first step before it gets to a Google review. Um, gives us a chance to survey the customer and give us the feedback we're looking for. And then if it's a problem, we can go back and take care of it right away. Um, and then if you know, if we get a, we asked them the, the, the famous question uh, on a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood you'd refer us to a family or friend? And uh, so we want tens and nines. Um, we, we tolerated eight um, and we call back sevens and below to follow up on. Um, but I follow up on eights internally and say, hey, I wonder why they gave us an eight. And they'll say, well, there, there was some little issue or something, you know. Uh, but generally, we're getting nines and tens, and tens are the are the um, the majority by far. Usually, you know, usually 
you know, nine out of 10 report cards are a 10 um, with a nine thrown in there. Um, yeah, this is anyway, the, the net promoter score question that you're asking. Score. So the, yes. the, the, the nines and tens are your promoters yeah. and you've got uh, actually eight, nine and 10 is a, is a promoter, correct? And I then know, it might be seven and eight being neutral. Are, are there your passive and then underneath yeah. the, you know, six and below yeah, are your detractors. And yes. you think it, you, the, you put it on that scale because you think about your promoters and your detractors are the most likely folks who are going to share, to talk, to share their experience, good or bad. The passive yeah. folks are not really going to speak to the experience, so we kind of throw yeah. out throw out those scores. Yeah. Um, but interesting enough that so you you go through this report card process first to basically measure your customer experience internally, and then often it leads to a Google review um, yes. that the so customers. So then seven enter. days later, seven days later, uh, they get a um, an email that gives us a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and if they if it's a thumbs up. Um, immediately on the screen are five stars that they can hit the five stars for the Google review and they can post a comment. And now without even them having to navigate away from that email, they now have a post of a Google review. Um, and we have, and we ever, since we put the system in place, I want to say two to three years ago, uh, we've probably gotten 600 Google reviews um, on top of the 150 or 200 that we had. Um, we also have three offices, so we've got Google reviews happening in three different places. Mm. And um, we have scores of uh, 4.9 and 5.0 in the three different offices. Are you still using the company broadly for your Google no, reviews? No, we use Bo Boolean now. You use Boolean now. Got yeah. it. Got it. There, yeah. there are a variety of, of, of companies out there um, who do help with that Google review. Both, they were both good companies. Boolean has been a little more flexible for us. Uh, but I, I highly recommend that you uh, pay for and use um, the, these review management software. So if they give us a thumbs down, if they get that, that email and they gave us a thumbs down, which would have meant they had to get through my system here, my previous system, but it's happened. Um, they get a thumbs down. Then they get a chance to express their opinion now the same way. They almost like they're leaving a review, but the review just comes in the form of an email back to me and, and other members of the team. And then, so when our team, um, we, we jump on reviews and we jump on report cards extremely quickly. Um, the managers are all, uh, look, including myself, will do it during the weekends and evenings even. Um, we call customers back right away um, and try to neutralize the situation at the very least um, and have been able to um, really, really moderate our reviews. We have excellent reviews because we manage them um, and, and we get lots of great reviews. I mean, there's no question about it, but we've had customers that were shocked that 10 minutes after they left the Google review, they received a phone call from one of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've already started about a damage control. Um, so, uh, well, it all goes much, back. no surprises. It feels like no surprises. You know? Yeah. I mean, and this all goes back to the brand and managing the brand and the brand being something that you are trying to market. Right. So yeah. there's, you know, 
we also often think about marketing from the email campaigns, the radios, the TVs, all these things that we're putting outward. But it's the it's the importance of keeping that brand at a high level, which is why we talk about the customer experience, which is why we talk about having a review management system for um, to to increase those those review numbers and be really in 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 um, kind of impulse with what is happening with what your customers are actually experiencing day to day with your with your teams. Well, I mean, the, the, the reality of it is what you just said. I mean, so over 50% of our calls consistently over 50, sometimes as high as 60% of our phone calls are coming from repeat customers and referrals. So despite the fact that we will spend 5% on our, of, our, of our budget on marketing, we're only getting 45% of our, of our phone calls from that marketing. Um, actually, and if you take out um, signs and trucks, um, which is like another 20%, we're only getting 30% of our customers from our marketing spend, um, which can be, it, it kind of freaks me out that we're spending all this money. But once again, I want to point back, you're also marketing to your own customers when you market. So if you have a piece of marketing, whether it's a digital ad or whether it's a radio commercial, to your past customer, that's reinforcing the experience, that's reinforcing them coming back for more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it can't really be looked at as the you know, new client acquisition exclusively. It's also when you get a referral from somebody and they've already heard of you, that's almost like two referrals, right? So therefore it reinforces that. So that's all the branding piece right. that you're talking about. and. Yeah, a lot of marketing companies want to think about call to action and how many phone calls from a piece, you know, from a whether it would be a whether it was a direct mail piece or an SEM campaign. They want to tie phone calls directly back to it. Um, and I, I just know better. I just know better from doing it all these years, you know, that it's it's never one secret silver bullet thing. It's it's all the things. How do you, and then tempering that against the huge expense involved and the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and knowing what you know, what's the expectation? What is the goal that you're looking to get from those particular avenues? So yes. some social media spend might just be this is our, our brand reinforcement. This is us pushing our Nolan in the neighborhood. This is us showing that we're in the community. This is us staying top of mind. We're not necessarily looking to get jobs from social media. We are looking to get jobs from maybe the radio and the TV you know, campaigns that we're doing and the email campaigns. So much me, because at the end of the day, we don't usually put offers out. Like we don't say things Mm. like all now or we True, good point. That's for us, but it could be for others. Yeah. But for us, it's about us showing us in our most positive light, you know? Like for instance, my radio ads and my radio ads were really big for us in the sense that they helped us really find our voice, so to speak. Um, so not only, you know, not, I, and by the way, we only started doing them seven or eight years ago. Um, and maybe in the beginning, I think I had a radio announcer doing them. And then uh, at one point I'd heard somebody else doing their own ad on news radio and, um, and it was terrible. And I thought I could do at least as good as that. And it turns out, that my radio ads were really powerful for us in a couple of ways. Uh, it helped us find our voice, our voice, 
And it also helped customers find our voice. Like they started to identify with us and they say things like, um, we, love, we love your radio ads. And once again, all I'm doing is telling stories. I got one that talks about how I started the business and how my family's involved. Mm -hmm. I have another one that says, you know, what a sure thing is. You want to know what a sure thing is? Hire an old painting. That's a sure thing. Like I'm creating a, a brand um, that, you know, I say things like we're not happy unless you're happy. Um, and that's, those are branding things and they're not um, offers and they have helped. Um, I just did a TV campaign this winter. I think we can track six calls to it. And I think the spend is probably $40,000. Wow. So that's pretty expensive per phone call. Um, but I know better. I know that when I'm told over the next couple of months, oh, I love your ads or I see your ads, that, um, I mean, what's the likelihood that an ad would arrive for painting exactly when somebody needed painting? Yeah, it happens, but that's not, that's not the typical experience. Typical experience is you think about it for a while, you ask some friends, you take in the landscape, and then you hire a couple of people you've heard about. Here's a question for you. Because the majority of your of your leads are past customers or, or a referral from a past customer, um, and that's likely, you know, what is captured or documented when the, the new deal, new job is, is um, put into the system, do you ever ask them... A, a follow-up question, you know, do, where did you last kind of see us around? Because almost to be able to dive in a little bit further to understand, yes, they're coming back because they're a past customer, but what triggered them recently? Did they see an ad somewhere that brought them back? So no, we don't, um, okay. but we've talked about this a lot. So it's a good mm -hmm. question. And Molly, it's a question that marketing experts have tried to get us to ask. Literally, they have said, could you ask a couple more questions? Just um, a few more. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you this, when somebody is calling to get an estimate and you pester them with multiple questions, you're starting to interfere with the customer experience. And we already measure how long it takes to take a lead and, and set up an appointment. Mm -hmm. And literally seconds and minutes are problematic. So we've had people say, oh my God, why so many questions? I just want an estimate. Um, so we have resisted that temptation. Um, and, and actually, to your point, we do not advertise our phone number anywhere. Um, it is on trucks, I should say, um, but it's not anywhere else. It's not on our signs. It's not on our radio ads. It's not on our TV ads. We just put our, our website. That's what we, we figure people don't remember phone numbers. They don't write them down. Um, they don't even carry a pen anymore half the time. So they don't write things down. Instead, Fair. they might take a picture of a phone number. Don't get me wrong. We might do that. Um, but they um, they generally search. They search for a painter or they search for Nolan painting. And then we get, uh, we ask them and they only, only 13% of my phone calls say they come from the internet. When I have to tell you, it's probably close to 90% since that's where they probably got our phone number, right? right. They went right. to the website because how else would they know the number? They didn't memorize it unless they had a business card, but people don't carry business cards as much. So really it's use your phone, search the phone number, press the button that says call. And right. 
Yes. Yeah, so that's that's you know that's why I don't need to know a whole lot more. I don't think I need to know a whole lot more. Like, is it because I went to an event, a community-based event last week, and somebody saw us? Because then it would be like I would constantly be looking for ROI on those activities. Mm -hmm. I would forget the branding opportunity. So ROI is important. The branding opportunity is what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. So, so I want, I want to explore both of those avenues, um, you know, branding one, especially being the kind of your community involvement and how that plays a huge part in the branding. But I also want to go back to, to the budget component. I mean, you, you've kind of snuck in there that you spend yeah. 5% on marketing and for a lot of companies, small businesses, that's a lot. How well, for my company, it's a lot <laughs> and for your company. It's a lot. So, so talk to us about, you know, why ha has that percentage grown over, over time? Um, you all, have you always, you've always spent four to five percent since I became aware of marketing as a thing. Um, I picked up on the fact that 5% was a good number, um, somewhere. I think maybe it was my accountant that might've told me that. Um, and others have validated that that five percent number. By the way, I've heard other people talk about it. Um, but I remember once that I I didn't have any phone calls and my uh, I was slow. My accountant came in and goes, "I can see why you're slow. You're not spending anything on marketing. You should spend five percent on marketing." And so I started spending five percent on marketing, um, and I built it in. Um, now that budget is uh, you can do things with that budget. Like you can I don't know you can put all your your shirts and hats that you buy your employees, if it's logoed, you could put them in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you could put the, the two and a half percent that you have to pay for MasterCard or, or Visa in there. So decide, you could put a staff person's uh, salary. Pay salary. There. Mm -hmm. um, we, we do some of that, but not all of it. Uh, we actually, you know, the shirts and hats, they end up going in HR. So, but you can do what you want, but 5%, is um, an effort um, for uh, spending. It's a, it's a way to gauge and control and not overspend because that's sometimes the problem. When you, when you do these things, you immediately start overspending and you bite off more than you can chew. Um, so it's, it's a good number to work with. Uh, sometimes we spend a little less, which is good, um, but that's what we're using. And incidentally, we do include our um, community-based marketing in that. Okay. So we have, um, we don't include the labor, the labor for any volunteer hours because we, we have a PTO system for volunteer hours. We include the monetary donation in marketing. So I call it community-based marketing. I, it is not philanthropy. So philanthropy would be, I'm rich, I'm giving some of my money away. This is community-based marketing, which is I'm a company and I don't have a ton of money, but I want to do good in the community, um, but I need some type of ROI, some type of ROI mm -hmm. uh, for my uh, activities. It might be just in going there and seeing that everybody showed up and they ate our popcorn and took our gloves our running gloves or they gave or took our water bottles that we give away. Um, that would be community engagement. And to me, that would be a win because I know eventually they'll, they'll do business with us. I don't need that type of transaction. I don't need a transactional ROI, but I do need an ROI 
of some type that there was engagement. Um, and then once again, if we commit to an organization and for some reason they become disloyal, which has happened, they, they end up, let's say it's a school that we've been supporting and they end up getting a bid for um, painting from us and then they hire somebody else. Clearly I'm not supporting that school anymore. Um, so I can be, um, I can be more ROI focused for that. Um, but that's human nature. I mean, if someone, someone shuns you after you giving them a lot of love, obviously you need to move on. So, right. so we do. Um, but you know, you, you and me were at an event last week. Uh, we, we did a, uh, it was a five mile run. It was called the frostbite five mile. And there was over a thousand people there. And I can tell you that um, we did get two leads from it. I didn't know that right away. Monday morning, two people called, which was which was another piece of the engagement. That mm -hmm. was good. Um, but you were there. You saw we looked like the biggest sponsors around. I mean, we were not the biggest sponsor, but yeah. we looked like the biggest sponsor. Well, you were the only sponsor that was outside, which is where a lot of so you had a lot of people coming past you in and out of the building, which was big and you also were handing out things that they wanted, uh, but yeah. you also were collecting old paint cans. So you, you provided also a service to, to those of us who've got paint cans in our basement that, that need to get, to give those away. But you were also featured in their, in their email several times. I think yeah. I said to you, when I showed up on Saturday morning, I was like, Kev, that email that went out last night, yeah. Nolan painting was mentioned five times. Yeah. No other sponsor was mentioned. Yeah. So. Well, I we were doing a bag check too. A bag check means that right before the race starts. So it's cold. You can wear a jacket right before the race starts. You can give us our give us your jacket. We'll hang on to it till after the race comes. The race is over. We'll give you a jacket back. And that bag check was a service for, you know, that we offered for free, obviously. And, um, and we were giving away running gloves and it was chilly. And even people that had gloves were, were taking them for their pockets. Um, and yeah, it was, um, it was, it was amazing engagement. You know, we had our tent there and we had, some flags flying and um, boy, it, um, it's exactly, it, for me, that's exactly what I'm looking for is that kind of engagement, talking to people, meeting people um, and just general goodwill towards us because we're bringing so much value. So. And we've spoken to, you know, this kind of community direction of, of races being something that, that Nolan shows up to um, because it's a passion of yours kind of being in, in the running world we know that's not a passion for every listener on here and every business owner. So yeah. our rec your recommendation would be, you know, what is it that maybe you as an owner are passionate about? What is your team passionate about? What does your community need that you can show up to? You show up is the thing you said. To show up. Showing up is, is what it all became about. It's about being there and showing up because the $500 monetary sponsorship just gave us a printed logo someplace. It was the showing up that was the, the, the people, the people that we're looking to promote. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I've been cognizant of the fact um, of that. And um, so we're doing, um, it's springtime and there's a bunch of um, spring clean, um, like uh, river cleanups, uh, stream cleanups and things. Um, so we're doing two stream cleanups um, in the next month where I have about 25 total um, volunteers between the two events. Nice. Um, and we'll take over um, a whole site and remove all the trash. 
And we'll do that together on a Saturday morning. Um, and we'll have shirts made for us and we'll be very visible all together out there. And countless people that are at the event with us will say, man, you guys are great. And that's exactly what I'm looking for is those exact words. You guys are great. Because if they say that, branding has been accomplished. You have, you've gotten the message out. Um, so and we also, um, we look for other types of things, maybe not so engaged part, but we've been doing a lot of little leagues. Um, this is little league time. I'm, I guess I'm saying it because we're, because it's a time of year when there's little leagues. Um, we're sponsoring about 15 little leagues and that involves banners and things like that. Oh, we're sponsoring lots of anything to do with schools because we're really particularly like high schools because we're trying to do a couple things there. We're trying to obviously get parents that own homes, but we're also trying to get future workers. So um, that's a big deal. Um, and we do lots of auctions. We're back to giving painter for a days. Um, we don't sell painter for a days anymore, but we do give them out as auction items. And we have usually a, there's usually some type of charitable auction, um, weekly, almost weekly, through some organization. Um, a lot of it's online. Um, sometimes it's in person with a gala or something like that. Um, and that's really good, good uh, community-based marketing. Everybody sees you doing great things, which is contributing towards that charity. Yep. Yeah. The so community. We'll we'll recommend all day long getting yourself involved in the community in some capacity um, will only benefit your brand. Well, I mean, not only does it likely get you the phone call, but often it gets you that exclusivity. Like you're not, they're not calling others. They're just calling you a lot. And, and then the second thing is, is they're not talking about price. They're talking about hiring they're, you. And as long as your price can be, they can manage it. They're going to hire you. Um, and yeah, that's that's the that's the name of the game is not to be driven by price all the time. Mm -hmm. Be getting work at your price, like that's the key is to get at your profitable price to get work. Um, and we have a very strict pricing structure where we have a retail price that we offer, um, and the salespeople are allowed to come a couple of percentage points off of that retail price. Um, but we're right, right now, we're really trying to hold our pricing and not discount uh, or not discount much um, because, yeah, with inflation the way it is, um, I think discounting can be really a problem. Um, you could easily be, sell below your, um, your profitability number and think that somehow you'll make that up in volume and you won't. So... Um, we, uh, we've been real, real strict about that. What other, um, we, we, we've, we've hit on the, the community component and we've talked about, you know, reviews, the website, you know, driving people, um, to, to find you online. What are some other, um, you know, campaigns you guys have focused on in the last year, last two years that you, it's a little bit different than what you've done for, for forever. Um, well, I, I just before I get too far now, I'll talk about SEO, SEM, because we have put a new effort on that over the last okay. six months. And I think we paid a lot less attention to that when we were slow. I mean, when we were busy and then once we started to get slow, we were like, oh, my God, our SEM and SEO is 
terrible. And um, on one phone call company meeting, I asked my 120 employees at the time to all search Nolan painting. No, no, all search house painter and let us know where Nolan painting came up. And on like the on the list within Google, was it on page one, right. page two? Where did it fall in the ranking? Exactly, and we and they did screenshots and things like that, and I got over a hundred responses um, both times, and um, we've been getting some improvements there. Um, so that's a good way to um, to measure that. So uh, yeah, we had another SEM company um, and search engine marketing, and we've increased our spend there, and of course we're always trying to optimize our website with blogs. Uh, we currently have a new blog coming about colors um, and you know, that'll be out this week. So we're always doing blogs once or twice a month um, and, and email campaigns. Um, we, uh, we have about 25,000 people on our email list. Um, we're careful not to do more than um, maybe one every, I wanna say an average would probably be one every three weeks. Okay. Uh, meaning sometimes we do more than one a month, but generally not. Um, and um, we did, we've done radio and TV, as I just pointed out. Um, and then, um, yeah, in the last couple of years, we've tried all kinds of things. Um, uh, OTT, which is kind of a crazy name for, they call it over the top. It's basically the, uh, the use of uh, streaming content on internet services. So, um, you know, Hulu and Netflix, Netflix does commercials now. Um, all of the, you know, I think even Peacock, all these things do commercials and you can target the demographic of the, the show and the person watching it uh, mm -hmm. so that you're only advertising to um, a certain demographic, um, which is the appeal. The, the bad thing is, is you never sort of know if it happened because you might never see it, you know? Um, it's an individual experience and it can be expensive as well. But of course, you know, everybody is spending a lot more time streaming. Um, ads, ads that come on between before you watch a news clip. If you watch a news clip and there's a 15 or 30 second ad beforehand, um, YouTube ads technically might, might or not, might not be. It's a form of social media, but it's also a, a form of um, over-the-top streaming. So that's been something we've dabbled in. Um, still don't know if it works. Obviously cable, TV in general, can very much control the demographic um, by based upon show and, and, and households. And they can control, um, you know, specifically what households get it. Once again, it can be very expensive. Um, don't always know if it works but you can certainly dabble in it. We do, we dabble in it, we try. Um, streaming radio, same thing. A lot of these radio stations now, people listen to radio um, from all over the, the, the country, uh, not necessarily um, listening to an AM or FM broadcast. Uh, we've tried geofencing. That's where you pick in a location and, and put everybody in those area, areas with um, advertising. Um, lots of Google display ads and things like that. Um, we've done, uh, we've displayed, done display ads on, on sporting websites, on gaming websites. Mostly that was for recruiting for younger folks. Um, 
and then um, what I call buses, billboards, and benches. Um, basically signage that you would see around if you were driving around. Um, we've done buses, um, we've done billboards, uh, we've done benches, you know, on the side of the road or a bus mm -hmm. stop, something like that. Um, and all of those things, you know, if you could get a good deal in the right location, we would always consider it because we would understand it would be mostly branding, meaning they're not going to call because they saw you on a bench. They're going to, they saw you on a bench. They saw one of your trucks. They saw a commercial and their friend told them about it, about you. Now you're the one getting the call. Um, so those type of things, I, I think you have to have that mentality that you're going to spread it around, you're going to measure, and you're also going to uh, track. So that tracking is going to tell you, yeah, we got nothing out of that, nothing. And then it's probably time to move on. Well, that kind of leads me into my my next question to you. And you, you, you hit it briefly at the start, but this there's a lot going on within the marketing, you know, function. There are lots of different things to be tracking creatives to make, you know, third, third party organizations. If you hire an SEO or SEM company or agency to work with, how, how does that happen with an organization? I mean, some, some companies that the owner is doing the marketing and some companies, they hire a marketing director. I mean, obviously it very much depends upon um, the the size of the company and the opportunity. We're, I'm seeing a lot of um, companies now hiring interns um, as a kind of the first step. Those folks who are in college and you know in the marketing um, um, major, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 are and are in tune with the marketing mindset. And, they, and they're in tune with social media mindsets that that the owners may may struggle with. I know I personally struggle with social media. Um, you know, I I dabble in a little bit. But, but like a lot of people, it's a bit intimidating to me and it, and it also can feel like a tremendous waste of time. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas um, a younger person is going to have a whole different attitude towards social media because it's a lot of the ways they get their information in the world. Um, and I think you have to have that uh, outside thinking. I, I don't think you want to rely strictly on, you know, the, um, the, the president or owner's um, experiences totally. Um, but, right. Doesn't it doesn't it fall into that mindset of um, as you are looking to grow your business? I mean, we need to be hiring people who are smarter than us in those different yeah. facets. And, and also to get out of the hourglass, because right. I mean, I want to be the person that's having the discussion about all these things, but I don't want to be doing the mundane business tasks of writing blogs and managing my Google business page. Those are all. Um, managerial tasks, administrative tasks in that realm. Um, and so we, we did just lose our, our marketing person, April of 10 years. April had been with us 10 years and she got a, a great job um, working at um, her kid's school. They, her kids go to a private school and now she'll be getting tuition reimbursement. So I didn't, I couldn't touch that, but uh, <laughs> we really miss, miss April. She had been, um, a huge part of our, our effort for the last 10 years, um, meaning she did all the work. Um, and so we're going to hire a marketing manager again um, with the hopes that I can hire someone that will eventually move into to the director role. Director role is still what I'm doing. I'm still the 
you know, I'm the, I'm the CEO. I have a good marketing mindset. So I'm directing most of the marketing. I'm, I'm saying what we should be doing. Um, mm -hmm. Not doing it. I'm just saying what we should be doing. Uh, the manager would be doing it. Um, but ultimately, I want the manager to be uh, also saying what we're doing and, you know, reading about new ideas, new concepts, new marketing opportunities, new ways to, to reach out to customers um, and then be implementing it. Um, so we're going to hire somebody um, very shortly um, and fill that role, um, a, a marketing manager to become hopefully a director. Nice. Because like, like we've hit on here, there are so many things that we're doing and we're trying. Um, and there's a lot of consistency with a lot of the practices. We, we, you know, what is working, but we also have to stay in tune with the, the world that is constantly changing. I mean, we're hearing of, you know, the AI, the chat GPT, all of these new things that are impacting the way that we operate tools that can actually help organizations, um, with, with their marketing, but, there needs to be uh, awareness and, and the folks who are kind of keeping an ear to to what what is changing, um, and and the data and the analytics behind it too. I mean, analytics plays a huge role in marketing at the end of the day too. It does, and in fact, you know, we I told you we changed our SEM company, and we interviewed a lot of search engine SEM SEO companies. We interviewed a lot of them, and they they are a different type of person than the traditional marketing person. They are coders. They're, they're, they're technological people, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily marketing people, um, but yet that's where a lot of the marketing has gotten into. And it's very technical and gets over my head quickly, um, mostly because I don't have the patience to continue to go down that, that wormhole of uh, something that I don't necessarily understand or will ever understand. So um, you need to hire professionals. So we have an outside agency do that, obviously. Um, and that's mostly what I think a lot of folks are doing. To do that internally would be would be would be um, quite a skill set to have. Um, yeah, because marketing really it's a combination of kind of the creative and and the analytics and being able to put those two together to deliver something that a customer is gonna want want to learn more about is going to want to take that next step. Cause at the end of the day, we want them, we want conversion. Right. Yeah. Um, so being able to, to, to utilize different tools, different companies, different people that who have different strengths to kind of pull that marketing forward. It's not, not just about um, the digital image that you put out. It's, it's about what does that digital image actually mean and how are we getting it to people and what are we getting back from it? Yeah. Well, that's what they talk about all the time. You know, they're talking about ROI um, and they're talking about impressions and they're talking about, you know, click throughs and how long people spent on the website and how long they spent on each page of the website. Um, and um, so I, you know, a lot of times I was like saying to these folks, I, you know, when I go to a mechanic, I don't ask him to tell me the details of, of how he fixed my vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, I just need it to work. Um, <laughs> So and you just need leads to be coming in. I do. And, and so they get very technical around that, which is fine. Um, but I'm pretty careful not to go down that, that hole because I know, um, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time and I know what I know. Um, I don't need to know that other technical stuff, but I do need, I do need results. And so 
We have changed our SEM, SEO company, you know, I want to say five times in the last uh, maybe 10 or 12 years. Um, and I, I've been struggling. Most of the time, they give you great service in the beginning, and then they start to forget about you, and you've been paying them a monthly retainer, and then you start to look, and you realize that you're dropping. Um, yeah. So to, the, to your point, um, we're, we're constantly reevaluating it. Um, but I don't let them come in and give me a whole bunch of BS because they literally get technical on you and they talk in jargon. And when they talk to me in a way I can understand as a CEO, then we might be able to do business together. But if they talk in jargons, I, I'm turned off. Um, yeah. Because I want, um, I want to see that they understand my business and can help me. I don't want them to make promises about things that they don't possibly understand or know. It's really the same business. They have to understand your business and, you know, they have to show you how much they care um, before you. you they, if you are their target audience, they are target customer. They need to understand what, how it is that you need to interact. Right. I'm come in and they show up and throw up and tell you all these, these technical things. And uh, so we've been doing a lot of that shopping. Um, and um, yeah, right now we're happy with the SEO front, I think SEM. Um, but, um, yeah, tomorrow will be another opportunity to look at it again. Right. Always, always looking to, to potentially make changes for the better. Now, what kind of we'll move our way to the end here? I, I do want to know, you know, when times do slow down, when people are less likely to, to want to spend, obviously there's some kind of, um, grassroots stuff that your own organization will look to do, um, to kind of get some additional revenue. What are those things? Uh, yeah, so. You know, one of our strategies this year was not to discount a lot. I mean, the, the winter months forced us to come down a little bit in price, but to really keep our pricing high. And the reason was, is, is we were not hearing from customers that we were too expensive. So I was like, if they're not telling us are too expensive, why are we telling them we're too expensive? So we're not telling them that. So we kept our pricing high, which is good. Um, because yeah, the, there's been a slowdown, um, but when my sales team is not losing jobs because of price, um, to any great degree, any more than mm -hmm. normal. Um, and so we kept our pricing high, which is helpful. Um, and then we've, we've focused on selling more to our current customers, the ones we're working on. That's always a good sound business practice, right? If your average job size is $4,000, see if you can't make it five. <laughs> right. If you up yeah. a thousand dollars, you just increase your business by 20%. So we have had a lot of initiatives for what we call uh, AWO, additional work order contests. And we have um, we have a, a, a contest wrapping up this week and we're going to have a big drawing. We have lots. Anybody who sold AWO gets a ticket. And if you get the more you sold, the more tickets you got. We give them a small percentage of the sale. Right now, I think it's only 2%. Um, but they get these tickets. And then we have a few thousand dollars worth of prizes. Next Friday, we're having a party. We're gonna, they're going to be able to put these tickets into a bag. It'll be one of those things where you, you put the ticket in the bag, and then we pull, pull out. You win a TV. You win a Bluetooth speaker. You win a bag full of tools. You win a couple of gift certificates. Um, we'll have lots and lots of winners um, and we'll have fun. Uh, but more importantly, we raised awareness and we kept score. We kept track of additional work orders. 
and we were able then to to expand and grow. And each month we've been able to sell um, probably 10 to 15% of our revenue in the form of additional work orders. So that's, yes. a, that's a home run. And then, um, and then of course, uh, we have estimators who need to stay busy. And we've had a couple of contests and had a lot of um, training and um, just peer pressure around having self-generated leads. Um, and self-generated leads basically mean calling customers that you know are um, happy with us, that talked about maybe doing a job in the past. Maybe we did an outside project for them and maybe we might want to call and say, hey, do you have anything for the inside? And so um, what happens with uh, estimators is once you get them or salespeople, once you get them in the role of doing that, they, they get quite good at it. They just have to flip that switch. Right. And at first, the phone is really heavy. They have to decide to pick it up and then to, to dial somebody. And then when they find out that they do that five times, they get a lead um, once every five times. Then all of a sudden, they're going to they're gonna call 25 times to get those five leads they need to stay busy. Um, and, but we have contests around that. And um, every week, Top salesperson gets a for self-generated leads, meaning number of leads, not work, but perform just the behavior of getting their own leads. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get a, a gift card um, and um, those type of peer pressure games help to keep uh, people busy. Um, so the sales team is very aggressive, following up on, um, on everything um, quickly, um, doing the estimate quickly, getting them to, you know, doing the follow-up quickly, see if we can't get the job quickly because we need to work now. People so, love when you gamify something. It it it, 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 it draws like a small competitive edge that- um, it's, a, it's a type of drama we want to create, you know? Yeah. Friend, friendly competition. Yeah. Yeah. One quick question for you, going back to the additional work order initiatives. Um, are you helping your teams and providing word tracks to help them feel comfortable asking for the, the, the yeah, additional absolutely. work? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, early on, we did a bunch of training sessions. Um, early on meeting, it was, I think it was early December, uh, we started to show them that we were running out of work rapidly. As a matter of fact, we were running out of work rapidly and we identified we still had 100 jobs on. And we basically tried to make sure that every single one of those hundred customers that we had was getting asked. And, and we developed all kinds of word tracks and got people comfortable with saying things like that shouldn't cost too much, or let me run out and get my pad and I'll have, I'll, I'll work something up for you. Or um, that looks great. Do you have another area in the house that could look great as well just to get them uh, yeah, I mean, oftentimes it's they just need to be able to know how to approach and what to say to start right. the conversation. That's yep. generally the the toughest part um, yes. of that of that whole process. Well, we won't do that all year long. Um, a number of reasons we won't do it. We won't need to do it all year long. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. feast or famine business to some extent, and mm-hmm. we won't need to do it. Um, but also, it um, you you don't get the same success rate. Um, when you do it constantly, it's only when you shine the light on something that all of a sudden you, you might get two months or three months worth of, you know, behavioral change. Um, but 
but it does get exhausting if you if you constantly are um, beating the drums on those things. So we uh, yeah we just we just change it up with the seasons, and um, and then you know try to create as much interest around it as possible. All right. The last question I have for you here, Kev, because I think it's important. You meant again, you mentioned at the beginning and I want to circle back. You meet weekly on marketing. It is not a meeting that you um, push to the side. And I, and I know a lot of organizations do when times are challenging, it's busy, um, but you make it a, a, a priority to meet weekly. Um, when is that meeting? How long is that meeting? Who is a part of that meeting? So yes, we meet every Wednesday um, at 10 o'clock for 90 minutes. And um, we, it would be, uh, so I do, John, who's the president of the company, uh, Jim, who is VP of sales, um, Steve, who's the CFO, um, myself, and had been April or a marketing manager. Um, and no, we make it a priority. So, you know, it's one of the things I talk about in my book, these are all disciplines, whether it's human resources or finance or training. They're all disciplines that you have to, you know, do on a regular basis. And the best thing to do is to create a structure around, you know, meeting every week, talking about it at this time off of an agenda, working off of an agenda. So that way, if something comes up in the middle of the week, if it can wait till Wednesday, it's going to wait till Wednesday. And we'll and maybe I'll send an email to the marketing manager and I'll say, can you include this on the agenda for Wednesday? Um, but I know as a business owner with all these things constantly swirling around that um, focusing for an hour on one topic is really the best way to approach it as a business owner. Competing demands still have to focus to get something done. Most of us can focus for one hour. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that 90 minute meeting I just told you about, um, that's actually, that's what we're doing now because the seasonality dictated that. We'll drift back to an hour. Um, okay. as we get um, a little less activity and a little less dire need. Because I have to tell you, after an hour, I'm starting to lose it. Uh, my attention span isn't great. And that's what's going to happen with a lot of business owners. There's so much going on. Chances are the, your phone has gone off. Chances are there are other things that have to get done. Priority, stat, crisis maybe. Um, but focusing once a week on the rules of the game, that is marketing. That's, that's how you advance it um, step by step. Working off of a budget, not spending more than you have. You know, those are the disciplines that we want to cultivate. Um, and that's what I'm trying to cultivate into the, the next set of leaders in my company is those disciplines around um, meeting regularly, working off an agenda, sticking to it, not being distracted, um, and then uh, moving on to the next, the next important thing that has its time and space. Yeah, because in, in the next what, year or two, you're not going to be a part of those meetings anymore. That's correct. Yeah. So I've got work to do to get this person in place um, soon because we've got to um, be up and running. So I don't have to be a part of it anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Kev, I, I appreciate kind of all of the the world of marketing and all of its components and all and you you just share you know sharing your experience. It's it's one that many people um, are living in right now, and um, I we will consistently in, in, encourage the 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 community focus, um, the spend, the spend, the spend, the spend. We often hear people talking about um, wanting to do marketing or or marketing, but the spend doesn't match. Um, the, the speak in a sense. So and the consistency, um, right? You said you, you kept talking about consistency of it. Yep. The consistency of meeting weekly, like you said, following, having a budget, following the budget um, and, 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 and then, pushing, pushing know, the brand. Doing, doing an email blast, you know, every three weeks, as opposed to doing five at once when you need the work and then skipping it for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the important things. Building that list, cultivating that list taking the bad customers off. Um, and then really what we talked about in the beginning, which is picking uh, good clients, knowing who they are and knowing when not to work um, for certain clients or to turn, turn away certain types of business. One of the most important nuggets of all. And yeah. we, will, we will leave it there. Well, Kev, Great. until next time, thank you so much. Thank you, Molly. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.